I'm Matt Bronger. This might help. I am not a doctor. This might help. I'm not a professional. Let's have fun. This honestly is a good time. I'm Matt Bronger. This might help the podcast. Hey, welcome to This Might Help with Matt Bronger, the advice podcast that doesn't know why it gives advice, but also doesn't care. Look, we might help. I don't know. But this is for entertainment only. If you actually think you need clinical help, do what I do and talk to a professional. This is for fun. I always have interesting and or hilarious people on, sometimes even skilled or talented. This time, I have all of those things and an old friend. Everybody, this is Kyle Buchanan. Hi, Kyle. Wronger, I'm so excited to be on your podcast. Dude, I'm so excited to see you. Like, I feel <laughs> like we, we've only been in, uh, you know, text and online content uh, contact for like a few years now. You know, I'm just so glad to see you. You know, I was thinking about when we first met and like that time in our lives, uh, yes. which was very much before things quote unquote got started, you know? Yes. And yes. I was thinking to myself, and I wonder if you feel the same way. Did you feel like you really lived in that moment and appreciated it sort of for what it was before we all got hemmed in by, you know, uh, life and success and all of those? <laughs> yeah. Uh, 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 short answer, yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those things I look back on and go, oh, you idiot. But, you know, to myself, but also at the same time, that was a good time to be an idiot. Uh, and, oh, yeah. And, and a great a great sort of uh, pre-social media, pre-smartphone time to be an idiot. 100%. <laughs> yeah, it was like the baby days of MySpace. We didn't, we didn't realize <laughs> the onslaught of, of, of horribleness we'd have to wade through on a daily basis in 10 or so years. And I remember just a lot of, a lot of drinking, a lot of hanging out, watching Lost. Yeah. Uh, you know, lots of Del Taco uh, rappers. Lots, uh, <laughs> so many Del Taco rappers. <laughs> yeah, but just and just kind of being it's it, it was great being around interesting people like yourself and a lot of our other friends from those days, um, who really didn't know where we were gonna get how we were gonna get where we were gonna get. You know, and I've been I it's been such a a charge for me to watch you like ascend you know, and, and, and see you writing for the New York Times and to see like this book come out and remember like our conversations about, oh, what have you been watching lately? What are you into right now? Kind of thing. It's it's, it's just, I'm so jazzed. It's so well, cool. you too. And Kyle Kinane, who we met mm -hmm. through, you know, yeah. I mean, it was an exciting time in, your, in our lives because without any of those, you know, when, without anything but MySpace, and without any, you know, of the other shit, we just kind of had to find our way to each other and be like, oh, wow, we like we're of like minds, uh, yeah. you know, as we're sort of fumbling our way through Los Angeles. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's why, yeah, when I when I was asking you if you sort of uh, if you if you felt like you lived in those days and treasured them for what they were, I mean, I felt like I did like, yeah. you know, before we had any real responsibilities when you know, the responsibilities were just, how do I make rent? And um, how do I get to where I'm going? It was still fun to just be like, well, we've got a weekday afternoon, like let's drink too many margaritas at El Conquistador or, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, stay out way too late. 
and mm-hmm. uh, and listen to Megan Wisher and go on a rant at 4 a.m., you know? <laughs> um, and I do miss those days sometimes when I get so overscheduled. No, yeah. I mean, it, it, I've said it before and, and I've talked to people around my age and stuff. You know, in a in a in a nutshell, you miss the broke days. You know, yeah. you miss you miss the days where you're just scraping by and just cobbling rent together and going, okay, I have this much. You know, I, I remember being at shortstop and Kyle being like, I'm gonna get the tab. And I was like, dude, are you sure? And he's wasted. And the tab was like $75. And the next day he was so bummed. He was like, that was all my money. Like that's how much money we had back. You know, it was just like crazy. I, I, honestly, I think a lack of money is what kept me in check. I could never yeah. afford more than two drinks at a bar. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I wasn't in danger of getting super blotto. I do mm-hmm. remember I had, I don't, I can't remember if you were there then, but I had a birthday. I want to say 25, 25th birthday at okay. the Lava Lounge, back when the Lava Lounge was briefly a thing. Oh, um, and that was wild because it was the first uh, first birthday I'd ever had at a bar instead of, you know, somebody's apartment. Um, and everyone just bought me drinks as you do, you know, you buy the birthday boy drinks. So I had this huge queue of drinks and my, you know, uh, lily livered ass that's used to just like two drinks a night was suddenly knocking them back to the point Uh where like, I truly blacked out. I remember Erica Zabowski driving me down Hollywood Boulevard, like, okay, Kyle, we got to get you out of your own party. Uh, you're you're yeah, way yeah. too fucking trashed. And we're going down the Walk of Fame, and I'm like, Erica, Erica, you got to pull over. I need to throw up. So I, you know, she pulls over, like heave myself onto the Walk of Fame, just like blow chunks all over somebody's star. And meanwhile, there's like three Paris Hilton wannabes walking by in like sky high stilettos, and they're like, ew. And Erica Zabowski leans out, and she's like. Welcome to Hollywood, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> and I do miss those days sometimes. Yeah, I having having someone that's gonna s- defend you and uh, you know and be you know like when you're vomiting. I think I've had I can think of one time I've had that when it was my birthday in Chicago. We w- went to Wiener Circle, my then girlfriend, and we got a. Wiener Circle, what? No, oh, no, we we've talked extensively about Wiener. Wiener Circle is a place in uh, Lily White, uh, Lincoln Park that is exclusively staffed by black women, and they just tear your head off when you order wow. anything. You know, mm-hmm. you know, call you a, a you know white pussy motherfucker. You know, to your face. <laughs> it's great, but like, so we go there drunk and get food, and I'm eating my hot dog, and and I just barf it out on the like I'm sitting on a fire hydrant. And this guy, people are walking by like, uh, and my girlfriend's like, it's his fucking birthday. Like, I'll never forget <laughs> that. It's just something special about that. But Yeah, you know, your broke birthday days, uh, many oh, yeah. be forgiven, even if they should. Yeah, and it, it was, I don't know, it's, it's, I remember moving to LA and just despising it when I first got here. Because I was just like, it's just sun and bullshit and no one knows anything, you know. And that's all definitely true but it's key to meet the right people. So it was so key that I met you and I met Jonathan and all the people you mentioned before. And I already had Kyle, but we were totally useless. We didn't know what we were doing at all, except that we liked to drink and we liked to perform. 
you know, and, and we wanted to be around, you know, fun people. One, one, one great thing about Kyle as a kind of barometer in my life is he's, he has, he has no capacity for bullshit. Like I throughout my life, I've always had people that are like, you know, Oh, Bronger's my friend. And I'm like, well, you know, cause I've just been really nice to them. You know, right. like I just, yeah. I just, I'm not going to be, and Kyle will be like, no, nah, but you fucking like, he'll just say it to somebody's face. And like, it was always great to have him by my side, you know, where I'm just like, Oh, maybe this guy is trash. You know, maybe this yeah. isn't. Yeah. I, I don't run into a ton of other Kyles and you know, when I <laughs> meet one, one. I'm really wary, you know, you gotta, you gotta make sure that they're repping for the brand in a good way. So yeah. Uh, yeah. to become friends with Kyle Kinane, uh and to see him uh, go on the journey that he's went on, uh, mm -hmm. it feels right and good and just. Yeah, I, I remember being in Chicago and there's a place, there used to be this legendary punk uh, uh, um, venue actually before I moved to the neighborhood called Lounge Axe. It was actually there, it got destroyed like my first or second year in Chicago. And Kyle used to be like, man, I passed out on that stage for my birthday. Like he, he revered it. And they tore it out and they turned it into like an aluminum uh, douchebag bar, like a waterfall yeah. behind the bar and just like, just cold. And I took Kyle in there and it just broke his heart. And like, I was friends with this guy who bartended in all the hottest spots. So he knew the owner and the owner came out and was talking to us and was like, he was so, one of the most self-involved guys I've ever met in my life where he was bitching about going to an art gallery and like they didn't kiss his ass enough or something. Okay. And I remember Kyle like leaning over my ear and being like, I kind of want to kill this guy. Because like, <laughs> he was already so sad that they'd ruined his favorite place. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> so, you know, have you, I should, I wanted to ask, since you have got this now, let's, let, let's say position of influence. Yeah. Would you agree? To, yeah. To, uh... Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting thing to be at the times, uh, and definitely the thing I was uh, aiming at and aspiring to. Some days you just think to yourself, "What am I going to write this week? Who should I interview this week?" You know, because right. it's like, "What are you going to do this week?" Of course. And and but you have to always realize that the person you might choose to interview has been dreaming about being profiled in the New York Times their whole life. So sometimes. Yeah sometimes I don't think of that influence and, and I'm reminded of it pretty often. Yeah. Do you get people that are, uh, full of shit sometimes that are, uh, approaching you and wanting to, Oh, Oh, Hey man. You know, do you notice that now that you have kind of this? Um, I think I have a good bullshit detector. Maybe this is inherent to Kyle's everywhere. Um, so what, whether it's people that I choose to interview or whether it's just people that I would come across, uh, I guess I'm not at this point in my life um, running against too many fake insincere people who, you know, light up like pinball machines, um, you know, uh, mostly now people just want to ask me about Wordle. Because the Times owns it now. <laughs> of course. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, of course. Of course. Well, you're always someone who I've noticed has always... I, one thing I dug about you is you take your time. You know, you, you're not a rushed person. I mean, it's a compliment. Yeah. Uh, in terms of being like, well, let me consider this. I mean, look at this. and But you always had uh, a, real, a real sense of joy and a real sense of uh, things you're excited about kind of thing. I mean, that's, that's, that's one thing that's true of almost everyone I've, I've ever been close with. It's just like, they don't have any embarrassment about geeking out about certain things. Like I, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. And, and bringing other people along on the journey, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. writing is a very solitary thing, even if it's, even if you go interview someone, you ultimately have to sort of like bring it back and yeah. uh, beat it into shape all by yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can be interesting, even working for the Times, you put it out there and most of the feedback you get is sort of um, online, um, which is fine, but I'm, you know me, I'm a very social, tangible IRL person. Um, and so I really need to like go out there and live as much life as I can for my writing to have life in it. And yeah, yeah I, I, I like bring people along. I like throwing our uh, let's all go out nights and that's nice. who I am. Do you still like, you, you live in New York City now, yeah? No, 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 babe. I live in Los Feliz. <laughs> well, in Alwater yeah. Village, same place I've ever lived. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, oh. I go to New York all the time for work, but I haven't okay. moved. I, I've lived in Southern California now my entire life. Okay, shit. Okay, cool. Well, we're... So no, I, I mean, you know... Here. Well, you're having kids and uh Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I think people people assume when they hear New York Times that either I did live there, am living there, or I, have moved there. Um No, and, I'm people. I literally assume that. Yeah. You know, I kind of saw you uh as a as a as a Manhattan socialite, you know, for sure. <laughs> I saw you as you know, uh kind of kind of just 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 sh- shining your star there in, in no. my mind. You know, no, I remain uh, an East LA socialite, and okay, probably cool. will be till I die. <laughs> right, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not leaving. We bought a house, done, yeah. man. I'm gonna die right here, pretty much. You know, maybe some minor renovations, but so I when did you go from totally resisting it to giving in, LA? Oh, uh, it, it, probably about my, th- I want to say third or fourth year. It went from uh, hate to okay i can deal with this too i i had a bit of a turnaround when i when i just said to myself look this is you either have to be here in new york right now you have to if you're really going to follow your heart you don't have a choice and uh i've had that reaffirmed when i've met people that are living in say san francisco or or new york or la but they don't have any direction or 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 goals or dreams uh but they're working four jobs to keep a very cool apartment you know, it's like that's they're just living for the city, whereas I'm like, uh, I'm uh, living with the city. Like we're gonna work together, me and you. We're gonna, me and you are gonna make this happen. I'm gonna find connections to people who want to see me do what I want to do. So it was probably like third or fourth year where that kind of snapped in, and then it's been kind of gangbusters ever since. I mean, I love it now, you know, because I just didn't know it. I just I've been talk, talking a lot about this book, uh, everything now that I just read. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a socio, uh, sociological ex- examination of LA from different perspectives, but the focus is uh, Los Angeles is more a city state than a city. And, yeah. you know, and it's I mean, and- definitely the, the incredible layout and spread is so different from just about any other major world city. And yeah, I think that, that, you know, people get here and maybe they land in the wrong neighborhood for them or uh, they're not expecting that sprawl. But it's interesting. I mean, you know, I grew up here in Southern California. I've never had to get over anything, but I've watched other people have to get over, you know, all sorts of things. I'm always curious why some people don't let themselves love L.A. when they move here, because I don't think other cities necessarily have to pass that two step verification test. Um, Yeah. 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 But but there's all sorts of reasons why. I mean, you know, a lot of people move here from New York. 
And New York has uh, a lot of ideas about LA uh, and everyone will tell you them when you move. Um, also, sometimes people move here and they think all LA is is Hollywood. And I've always sort of seen them as two distinctly different places that overlap in some areas. But like, yes. you know, Hollywood is Hollywood and I cover it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah. but LA is such a like awesome, vibrant city with like incredible weather yeah. and space and um, and and just like so sort of potential uh, as a somewhat youngish city on the world stage for you yeah. to like feel like you can grab it yourself and have influence over the way it uh, grows. Yeah, and I would I would also add it's the only city that people hate on and don't know anything about. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've been, I, I tour all over the country and people be like, so where are you living now? Like, a, I remember a very, very uh, drunk pair of men in their 60s in Missoula, Montana, were like, uh, where do you live? I'm like, Los Angeles. They're like, sorry. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not bagging on Missoula, but hey, I know neither of you guys have ever been to LA. Right. Uh, the, uh, I've been to parts of Missoula that made me want to cry. They're so fucked up, <laughs> you know, like, so like, I, I you know, and, but the thing is, I will say uh, Anthony Bourdain used to shit on it, and he, he had his realization was one of the truest I've ever heard, which is it's not a European city. It's it's based on Latin and Asian cultures, and it's you know that, and 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 African American because it's one of the only places they were allowed to live in America, and some people don't like that. They don't know they don't like that, but. You know, it's a it's a feeling they have inside because of deeply entrenched white supremacist systems in America. I'm not going to go too deep, but, no, but there's, I do there's think always... that's something that people don't think about. And they're like, it's yeah. Hollywood. It's like, is that really what's fucking with you? Movie there's, stars? Who there's cares? There's always things to unpack. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've had that same experience. I remember once I was on a subway in New York and someone asked where I was from. I said, L.A. And they were like, how can you stand it? And I'm like, do you have that reaction if I said Seattle or Denver? Like, like, what is it about L.A. specifically? I mean, but, you know, I mean, I think I think obviously Los Angeles is a sort of cultural epicenter, maybe sort of threatens New Yorkers uh, idea that they are the center of of the world. Um, Yeah. And also sometimes people do visit L.A. and their only experience of it is like two days and they stay in Brentwood and they just came out here to take meetings. So they're like, yeah. oh, it's a Hollywood town. And I'm like, no, you're just a Hollywood person. Do better. Yeah, yeah, that and also, you know, of course, the traffic. But you have yeah. to live here to get the lay of the land. And like, I don't even think about it anymore. Me I just know. Either. And also, you know, like, you know, I mean, like, I drive out to the west side for shit, sure. Um, but I mostly just hang out on the east side and I'm just taking yeah. surface streets and it's fine. And if I do go someplace, I'm like, finally, I can listen to that podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know, exactly. it's fun, I, it's great. Yeah, if the exactly. weather changes, I can just put something in the car, a sweater, you uh-huh. know? Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm, so, I'm so in the tank, you know this, I've always been. Yeah, no, I mean, and that's, it's, I, I remember when we moved out here, it kind of dawned on us. I, I remember living, when we lived on that apartment in Dracaena, and Kyle and I coming out of our apartment to go get coffee or something. And I remember just being like, you know, like we were talking about something. Or, and I was just like, yeah, well, fuck it. We'll go see uh, Kyle and Jonathan and, you know, we'll get beers. I mean, hey, we live in California. And he, he just started laughing. He's like, oh, fuck, we do. Hey. <laughs> you know, and it's like it was a happy thing to say out loud and to hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, rem- I remember that moment, like distinctly. I can remember like how the air smelled and all that stuff. Cause it was just, it was just that moment where you're like, 
oh yeah, okay. You know, even even people that I knew in Portland that, you know, when you're raised in in Portland, you're raised to hate LA. You just are because people yeah. are always moving up to raise their kids in Portland. But uh, I remember people that are being like, man, that fucking play. <sighs> you can't beat the weather though, man. Yeah. You can't, you can't, you know, a wistful, there's still that hint, tinge, even they'd admit the jealousy, you know, of if, a place that's always raining. If New York had even four months of our weather, they would all look at each other and be like, see, this is why this is the greatest city on earth. Like, <laughs> and it's this so funny, because like you said, uh, there's so many other cities that maybe because of insecurity are like, you know, raise people to fucking shit on LA. And people in LA don't feel that way at all about other cities. I love going to other no. cities. There's no competition. I don't. Yeah. yeah it's, oh yeah. It's, no. I, I same. I'm like, yeah. New York City is the heavyweight champion of the world. No one's saying LA is a better city. You know, it's just I don't talk about better or worse. It's like I love so many fucking places. I don't need to hate them. And people are like, what's a place you hate going to? I'm like, ah, I hate is strong, but I've. You know, I've found like I can I can't I can't think of a place I hate. I can think of the cool shit I found in that town. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I always do. I there's always cool people that I can go hang out with or find a good coffee place or an art gallery or there, there's 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 hot shit everywhere you go. Where you know. So um but dude, uh let's get into the book real quick before we get oh, to yeah, the call. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you my dog has thoughts too, apparently. Hey Yoshi, chill out. <laughs> She's excited. Uh, he or she? Dog Hold dog. on, let me mute. One sec. Okay. He. His name's he. Yoshi. Yoshi. Right on. Um, I uh, have to share this story real quick. Uh, just so if people are listening, uh, undisputably, in my mind, one of the greatest films in modern history is uh, Fury Road. Yes. Mind-blowing cinematic experience and achievement. Um, and, uh, Kyle wrote a book about the, the film called, uh, Blood, Sweat, and Chrome. Phil, finish the rest. The Wild and True Story of Mad Max Fury Road. Thank you. Um, I don't know if, I think I've told this story, but, uh, as, as some listeners know, when I, I haven't in over a year because of COVID and, uh, me ha watching this kid, but I, I regularly give, uh, platelets, the Red Cross. And, you know, when you do it. They take your white blood cells out and then they put your, you take your blood out, spin out the white blood cells and put blood back in your body. Yeah. So I'm giving platelets and I have a needle in each arm and you sit there for about two hours. And you, before you, before you, they, they, they hook you up, you go to this huge thing of movies and there's classics and there's uh, uh, more modern stuff and there's donated ones from studios. So you have like not first run, but at least second run. And I was like, oh, fuck yeah, Fury Road. I only saw that once in the theaters. And so I put that in and they put the needle in each arm and like right to, to get go in the, one of the like early scenes, they catch him, they catch Mad Max and they fucking hook him up with the needle in the arm and they start draining his blood. And then the guy's like, nah, I need this meal on the go. And they strap him to the front of a car with a needle in each arm and they're just fucking going. And I'm sitting there with a needle in each arm watching and he's screaming yeah. and I start laughing like so hard they start worrying about me. They're like, are you <laughs> on? Nobody knows what you're watching. And they're like, what do you want? And I was like, no, look at this shit. 
And like, I know all the nurses and they're like, I'm like, he has a needle. And they're like, oh my God. And they're all like laughing and talking in Spanish to each other and calling each other over and stuff and pointing at the screen and like, look, it's the same. It's the same. It's the same. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, it's like, I don't really get bugged by needles, but like, like that would make you go like, oh, this isn't so bad at all. I'm not on the front of a truck. Is that, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's so funny. I've heard that uh, when you watch movies on planes, if the movie is about a plane, like if it's Air Force One, they don't show it. They don't nope. have it as an option. But, yeah. uh, but clearly when you give blood, uh, they don't make those distinctions. No, they don't give a fuck. There's like yeah. everything there. There's horror <laughs> movies. You know, I've watched, I will say I'm not a big uh, giant. I used to do them in high school and college, but I'm not the giantest musical guy. But the, the, the greatest showman, I will say, I was like, I haven't seen it. I'll watch it. I'm like, pretty good platelet movie. You know what I mean? It it moves. Nine out of ten platelets. What's that? Nine out of ten platelets. I would say nine out of ten. Yeah, I was, especially because of the surprise factor. I didn't think I would enjoy it at all, and it was so schmaltzy and like definitely beat you over the head with "We accept those who are different. We're Hollywood," you know. <laughs> But uh, yeah, you know, like, okay, it's not the greatest flick, but okay. But so that was the first time you ever saw Fury Road? Second. I'd seen it oh. in a movie theater, uh-huh. and, but I was like, I got to see this Well, again. it hits differently when you've got, uh, yeah, those, 100%. The, the blood 100%. hookup. Yeah. What, 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 uh, you're, you've gotten, I got to, not to give you a question you've gotten a thousand times, but uh, what drove you to write this book about that movie? Well, I kind of backed my way into it. Um the first thing is that I love the movie. Um, you know, I think when people hear what I do, I cover movies for the New York Times. I write about the Oscars, et cetera, right. et cetera. I think they maybe just assume that I'm a big art house nut. And, you know, I love my indie movies. Sure. But I really love big studio spectacle. You know, I was raised on um, James Cameron, Robert Zemeckis, Steven Spielberg. Like, when you do that right, there's it's transcendent. Um and I guess I hadn't felt that way in a long time. And Fury Road made me feel that way again. I, I thought it was just the most awesome, thrilling, uh, metal, uh, wild action movie at a time when like that genre felt so safe and so computer generated and, and not visceral at all. Um, so I loved it. And over the years, I'd heard crazy stories about the making of it to the point where you just think, is this one of the craziest making of stories that exist because you hear it but no one's ever really gone on the record about it um and then last or no not last spring uh spring 2020 when uh uh you know all the lockdowns were happening there were no new movies to cover because the theater shut down and my day job is covering movies so i thought well what am i going to write about and uh it was about to be the fifth anniversary of fury road and i thought well i I wonder if they'd all be willing with, you know, that amount of distance to sort of tell these stories that I'd heard for a long time. Um, And also everyone was sitting at home instead of, you know, working. So I thought everyone might be available. Um, I I was pretty sure I could get Charlize, who I've interviewed a bunch. uh, And she said yes. And once I had her, it was sort of the linchpin for everybody else. So in um, May 2020, I did an article for The Times that was a 5,000 word oral history of Fury Road. I talked to about 20 people for that. And that felt so big at the time, but is so minuscule compared to 
the real story and and the book uh there was just so much more to go so much that you just had to trim down just to get even the spine of the thing up for the times um so yeah harper collins uh bought a book length version and i talked to about 110 more people um than i already had and went back and interviewed a bunch of them again and yeah i i mean it it was ultimately one of the best subjects for a first book for 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 me uh for a million reasons one is that like it's a dense movie it it feels uh so simple you know it's essentially a glorified chase but there are so many ideas and themes running underneath it that are fascinating to dig into and and the stories that went into the making of it you know are very conversant with the themes of the movie like it looks when you're watching that movie it looks like it was incredibly hard to make and it fucking was it the the world of the characters is very difficult for them and it, it wasn't much easier for the actors who played those characters like a lot of the conflicts of that world and uh, and that film seeped into the real lives of the people who made it um and i thought that was really fascinating and juicy um even so uh, even above and beyond just the whole like how do you make a masterpiece how do you make a masterpiece that looks this difficult to make? You had really kind of interesting um, themes at play that I thought were kind of irresistible to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you nailed it. it. It is one of those movies you're just like, you walk out going, how in the fuck? You know? And I do, I do like, because like, I was thinking about this this morning. I was thinking about our, our conversation. I was like, okay, we're going to talk about movies. And, and I know Kyle likes for one of another term, lowbrow and highbrow, just like me. Yeah. You know? And I remember, you know, I saw so much art house stuff when I was a kid because my parents were very, very progressive and wanted me to see all kinds of stuff and took me to plays. But my dad would take me to like Schwarzenegger or James Bond movies and not to be like, this is what a man is, but just, hey, this is fun. And my mom's like, I don't want to go, you know, and that's fine. And, but at the same time, I watched those movies like, like yeah this is great he's killing everybody but i was like this is so stupid too but that's why i like it you know there are i think there are people that have gotten a little more thematic like let's say like shane black kind of thing where he kind of edges toward noir and has much more humor in his stuff um other than schwarzenegger's killing a guy than having a one-liner and james bond's too you know um you know uh, uh but like i'm glad i had those ex both those experiences kind of thing and i like how fury road is a piece of art without a doubt it's uh it's survival driven and it's very you know it's insanely epic but the female angle angle is so fantastic where you have this one character who just broke and is like i'm just gonna try to save these women i don't know what the fuck i'm doing i'm just running and so it's just a chase and it's that thing where you watch the old Mad Max things. It's just like, okay, women are basically, for the most part, commodities. There's a couple that are maniacs and stuff, but it's, you know, at the same time, there was a little bit more representation. Your post-apocalyptic movies typically were just like the men are fighting over the women and the kids, you know? And it's like, I, I like that it's, it, none of it felt forced. It was just kind of one of those movies that felt like it came out of nowhere. And you're like, why is no one else doing shit like this? I want yeah. I mean, you know, the two, the first two rated R movies I ever saw, um, which my mom was like, I think you're old enough. And I want to share these with you because they rule are Aliens and Terminator 2. 
Fucking um, sure. God, wow. You know, two of my favorite films of all time. Yeah, and, and they remain two of mine. And when those are the first rated R action movies you see, you absolutely do think like, okay, this is art, this pushes things. This gives yep. me so much to think about even just beyond the watching of it. Um, yeah. And I don't know. I mean, like, you know, a lot of a lot of the action franchises we get now are very sort of like cynical and executive driven rather than director driven. Um, right. Fury Road is extremely director driven. Um, yeah. Even even when you have incredibly talented executives like Kevin Feige and Marvel, you know, yeah. it's still his overarching vision. Um, less so the directors unless they're really specific directors who come to life in that world um i don't know it's just so fun to watch something where you know it feels like it's pushing the envelope in every way like the guitar shoots fire like the third act chasing involves like several older women it's things you don't feel like you're getting to see and and when the film sort of successfully walks on that knife's edge it makes the action even more visceral because you feel like anything could happen. Anything is happening. Um, yeah. And that's exciting. I, I think we get too, um, too many sort of like predictable, obvious, weightless action films. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and when you don't do that, when you go a different way, it just enlivens the whole thing and it makes that action hit so much harder. Yeah, absolutely. And it's I, I, feel, I feel like there's also far too much. Uh, it's it's just all about tried and true. It's like, okay, what's a, what's an IP we can bring back for yeah. the 79th time? And it's just, okay, I get why people do those do that work. And it's like, I certainly would, you know, it's it's a living, you know, a good one. But it's also like, guys, we got to carve out some space for new I, ideas. Because holy yeah. shit. I mean, the, the crazy thing is, doing the research into this movie that I did, it it took 20 years for them to make it. uh, And it kind of all got kicked off for those very cynical reasons, which is like in the mid late nineties, there were these Warner Brothers TV executives and they wanted a new syndicated show like Hercules and Xena. And they thought, well, maybe Mad Max. So they met with Miller, the director of Mad Max. And obviously that didn't end up happening, but it kind of, kicked some things loose and led to this really crazy two decade journey to keep trying to get it made and keep having it shut down. Like to the point where you're like, how did you have the spine and the self-esteem to be like, no, everyone has told me I can't do it. It's literally gotten shut down as we filmed before we filmed a million times. Uh, no one, these people don't have faith in me. The actors hate each other and don't trust me, <laughs> but I can still deliver a masterpiece. That, that to me was one of the biggest questions I wanted to uh, solve for my own personal satisfaction. Cause like, I, you know, I'm a pretty um, uh, straight arrow person when I'm determined to do something, but I would have grumbled, you know, like oh, yeah. um, if I had an article to write that took me 20 years and and no one was, I was pitching it and everybody said no, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't have gone 20 years. I wouldn't have gone two months. I would have been no, like, okay, I guess this article is not resonating. I will move on to something else. So I'm I'm really fascinated by that. I I wonder if you felt the same, you know, as, a, as an artist who lives in, in LA mm-hmm. um, and is, you know, and gets to see a lot of how Hollywood works. Like some people just have to have these crazy sorts of blinders or mad confidence in themselves 
yeah. to see these visions through because any normal person mm -hmm. would have more sense than that, you know? Yeah. I don't even know if you can aspire to be that person. You have to be crazy to some extent. The thing that I hate is that all, it's just, it's never been more of a, of a massive uh, uh, power imbalance than now, where you have these streaming services that basically want you to do all the work and then here you go and they go yes or no. And if they go yes, they're like, but we wanna own it forever. And you're like, well, and the thing is, I haven't really been in that situation because they can, you understand? And it's not just streaming, it's all of them because they're owned by like five guys. You know, when people are like, there's so many platforms. I'm like, yeah, it's still owned by five people, right. five you know, networks. So that's that's a whole thing. But my point in bringing it up is the, the, the fortitude that I've encountered with other artists who have like, oh yeah, they wanted this, 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 and this. And I said, I basically, in a, you know, with respect, go fuck yourself and walked away. And then they got a phone call the next day, like, fine. So I hate the fact that people literally have to go, no, it's not a deal. I will not take this hideous amount of money because you want too much. And the next day, the person, you know, the you know, business affairs is like, all right, fine. Well, you can keep the merchandising or whatever. You know what I mean? Where you always have the power of no, you always have. But it's lately it feels like more and more and more it's all you have, you know, and I'm knocked out. I've been I've been lately I've been having uh, uh, like I, 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 I've always been a person who like when I see like an artist who's, who's who, whose work, I, especially comedians, I'm like, oh, shit, I got to get a coffee with some with this person and, and and and, you know, just talk to him. I don't want anything from him, you know, but like uh, I had coffee with um, uh, a, a young comic who is, is very funny and does hilarious shit online and he was talking about some of the things he'd been offered and it, it's the same old song i got when i was like you know kind of had my moment as the young hot kid in like 2009 10 or so and like where they were like well we want you to do this thing for us it's no money right now but there's real potential and it's like okay but you are this network so yeah. why don't you give me some of and he had already broke it down he has my brain now, which I was like, dude, you, you're so far ahead of the game. I'm so excited. I'm so excited for whatever you have. Cause he was one of those people that he just said to me, he's like, I'll go teach. I'll go back to my little fucking podunk town and go and get a, a, a master's degree and become a professor someday. I don't care that much. And it's kind of, it was very, it was just refreshing, but it makes me sad that you know, there are so many of us that are like, this is all I want to do, but we keep, hitting these walls because the power is just insane you know so when I, I wouldn't say i don't want to say and i will sum up but like i don't want to say like the only way is to be like uh is it frank what's his name the, george, the, miller? george miller george miller i'm thinking because i was thinking of frank miller, frank miller right. george miller uh you know is to be like like him and just stick to your guns but like it doesn't hurt if you're really going to do it. It's a it's a wild thing because I think the only healthy way to live in Hollywood is to have that power to let things sort of um, uh, wash off of you, to, yeah. to know that you can walk away and say no at any time. Um, yeah. Otherwise, you know, you won't recover from the countless crushing defeats that you'll be handed. But at the same time, the the only way to really make great art is to care so much about it. 
how the mm -hmm. hell do you navigate both of those extremes? You know, yeah. you're stretched like taffy. Yeah, it's it's. I think you have to have days like we had. You have to have those 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 idiot days where, you know, God bless people who hit the ground running as soon as they get to L.A. Uh, but it's yeah, a real they're called the people with rich parents. Hundred <laughs> percent. One of my. One I know my, that now. I didn't know that then. <laughs> one of my. Oh God. One of my favorite tweets of all time was someone was just like uh anytime someone tweets something like who's in their 20s tweets something like there's just no place like new york they have rich parents yeah <laughs> like you know or it's just like i love it here i love the lifestyle it's like your apartment is bought and paid for you have no stakes you 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 you're, you're never you've never scrambled in your life kind of thing yeah it's that's so funny yeah, it is. That's it. Rich parents. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, completely. Um, I, 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 I tortured myself over that uh, when I was younger, and now I realize it. I'm like, oh yeah, you never had to get an actual real job. Uh, it was yeah. never that conflict. You could just, you know, dedicate your whole uh, mind and brain space and and time to oh. your art. And also have the very comfy cushion of uh, not having to worry about things and um, and probably having a leg up on knowing the right people already, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I had a very sort of um, uh, rosy-eyed idea that all I had to do was like do good work and write good articles and I would make my way up the ladder that way, which yeah, was sure. true. Uh, and and listen, I became a Times columnist in my 30s, which is nothing to sniff at. But um, I didn't get to jump any of those fucking rungs. And I think that if I had been honestly a little less modest about it, a little less, no, let the work uh, do what it will on its own, I would have succeeded even further yeah. <laughs> and faster, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, 100%. And I mean, it's there's something about making it on your own scratch. I mean, I, I joke about... You know, you are from, uh, you're a Kyle Buchanan of the Los Angeles Buchanans. So there's always an <laughs> I know. It I sounds like, like a rich name and it ain't. <laughs> no, I, I mean, that's like, I, I, my running joke is like, yes, it's Matt Bronger of the Sioux City Brongers. Yes. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's, it, we, it, there's no dynasty. Yeah. You know? No. So, uh -uh. You know, and in the, in the end, that helps you. Um, I know you have other press to do, so we should get to the calls. I will I say, can't wait. I love giving advice. I okay, am... rad, rad. Because yeah. we have a we only got we only got one call in, but we got a couple write ins. I will say, people are, and I'm talking to you, Mighties. Mighties are fans of the show. People are intimidated by writers, and I don't get it. Uh, they're they're just as m maniacal and idiotic as us. Yeah, like they so. express themselves differently sometimes, you know. But, um. Uh, maybe a touch more monkish than some of us can can be, but uh, I will say so. Let's roll. Let's roll. Let, but just an FYI, so don't don't take it personally that there were only one person called in. Sometimes people are just like, Yeesh. no. Well, if you get some write-ins, I'll answer those too. Great. Yeah, those are great. We have some of those. So, uh, uh, Renee, go ahead. Roll the first call. Hey, Ding Dong. It's Mike from California. So um, I tend to swear like a sailor. And uh, thus far, this has not really been a problem for me, but uh, I recently became a father. And now I find myself <laughs> dreading the eventual phone call from my child's school informing me that they screamed Jesus tit fucking Christ when they fell off the slide at recess. So um, 
as someone who is themselves a father and more importantly has played one on TV, uh, I was wondering if you could provide me with your favorite non-swears, you know, the, the disnified TV approved, you know, fake swears that I can start incorporating into my vocabulary so that my, my, you know, my child does not immediately become the, the filthy mouthed individual that I currently am. So, uh, yeah. Love the show. You're great. Uh, don't know who the guest is, but I, I assume that they're great too. Uh, yeah. thank you very much. <laughs> uh, hey man, congratulations and thanks for calling in. Uh, I, I will say, uh, uh, two things I do to answer your, your direct question. Um, I do like, um, come on. That's a good one. Uh, and, um, uh, the classic dad, I think every dad needs to know this one uh, to direct at the kid is knock it off. Everyone has to have a good knock it off. Um, but like I had to train myself and I'm still uh, fighting a losing fight in the car. That's where you really have to watch it because you don't realize if you're, 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 you said you're in California, you probably drive a lot like I do, like Kyle does. Um, so when you're alone, work on not cursing. My wife told me, you know, like, you got to stop. You got to stop. You got to stop before the kid even came. And sometimes she's in the car and I'll still like let loose and be like, I'm, and I'll always go, I'm sorry, honey. But that's the big one. We just work on it in the car. And uh, I remember uh, Jim Gaffigan and Mike Birbiglia from a comedic perspective talking about how they stopped cursing on stage because they, they work clean. I do not but I lean clean because I don't, I hate watching a comic who's there's an F-bomb every two words. It's just distracting. And they, they're using up all the gold. Uh, that's for punctuation, I think. But they emphasize where they would put an F-bomb or an S-bomb or a titty fucking Christ or whatever. You know, you, you, you think it, you feel it, but just say anything else, anything else. Just try, you know, because it's, uh, it's, it's just, you know, you, it's, to me, it's kind of like, it, not exactly alcohol or marijuana, but I think you want to save it to when you're older. You don't want a kid that's just cursing a blue streak on the playgrounds. It's just like, uh, this is making me feel weird. Like as a teacher to hear this kind of thing. What, what would you add Kyle? You know? Well, I have many thoughts on this matter. Uh, right. if, if you are tempted to curse to a child, like if they've done something that upset you and you just want to say fuck or God damn it, uh, instead, you use their name as though it were the curse word. Uh, and in mm. fact, the best way to do it, the equivalent of saying motherfucker, is to use the full name. That always gets everybody's attention. That is the most emphasized thing. If nice. you want to say motherfucker, instead you say Bobby Jones. Like, oh, like immediately everybody snaps to attention. You have gotten uh -huh. the point across. It's honestly more powerful than a curse word. Like there is a clarity when you hear both those names, uh, it, it, it's a powerful thing. Um, but it's interesting cause like I grew up very, you know, like a goody two shoes wanting to please my parents, never cursing. And uh -huh. since I've been an adult, like I love it. Uh, but at the same time, I kind of have to toggle between the two cause you can't curse in the New York times much as I wish you could. Um, uh -huh. And if the, the uh, person I'm interviewing curses, you have to take that out, which I hate. 
because sometimes yeah. people curse so colorfully and that's part of the fun of it. I remember I interviewed Carrie Mulligan once, this British actress, and it's always funny when a British ingenue curses, um, you know, make them seem earthy or more relatable. And I had to cut all of her curse words for this ah. Q&A and she just sounded boring afterwards. Oh. Um, yeah, uh, and I, but, but I remember I was, uh, I was actually with my parents last week uh, and I said, I don't know, I, I, I said something was fucking stupid or something. And I caught in my head, I was like, you just said that in front of your parents, which I still never do. It's just like built into me. I think yeah. they clocked it and nobody said anything, mm-hmm. um, you know? Uh, so it is interesting. I, I do think that you can build, um, you know, a mechanism uh, that helps you toggle, but that is my advice. If you are tempted to curse in front of the children, uh, if you're cursing at them, use their names. If you're just generally cursing, like somebody uh, cut you off in traffic, you know, try to apply that. Say Toyota Prius. You know, like great, great, great. Yes. To that car. Just you know, the the more you can kind of like shout out the thing. You know, yeah. you're focusing your anger, and it's funnier. <laughs> it, is, it is funnier, and I love the spe- specificity of the 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 full name is a classic. The full yes. name, the whole thing, first, middle, last. And the re- I've never really thought about why that's so powerful. And I think why it's so powerful is like, let's say you broke uh, a vase or something and you say their full name and it's like, you did that. Yeah. You with the name did that. And you're like, oh my God, I did. It, it snaps you into reality where- It's like you've heard from the lawyers, you know? <laughs> yes. It's like it just yeah. arrived on legal letterhead. Oh God. So you better pay attention. You better pay attention. You're going to court. I know you don't want to, but <laughs> that, 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 oh, that sinking feeling of going to court. Yeah, that's it. That's it. So yes, absolutely nailed it. Um, okay. Let's get to the write-ins. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have, uh, I, I got one that was extremely silly, but I'm like, yeah, we're, we're still. Oh, we're good. Doing it. I like silly. Um, yeah, it's, uh, hold on a second. Let me find it. Um, okay, I'll get out of here. Okay. So, okay. And I want you to answer this one sincerely. Um, This is for you. How do we know you're not a cop? Uh, (laughs) That is just all it says. That's it. That's it. Because I have people Uh, that write in anonymous stuff and like, I I told, I tell them, I don't even look at their handle. So. I mean, as a movie person, I know that this would be the really tense scene in the movie where I am a cop. And I'm worried that you're gonna discover my wire and I've gotta go do something really crazy, like kill um, you know, a, a stool pigeon to uh prove that no, I I'm you know, I'm I'm legit, like I'm a criminal. Yes. What do you mean? Uh so yeah, do you have any anybody that I can sacrifice? Is there anything I can do that's um that's super R-rated to prove that I'm not a cop? Well, I meant specifically, what about you says not a cop? What about Kyle Buchanan? Is oh, like, my personality, my vibe? Yeah, any, I'm not a cop? Your background, you know, that's what I was like. You know, it's that thing. I'm like, how do I know Kyle is not a Like, I know you're not a cop, but I'm just like, I was trying. And, and that's the grand question for all of us, maybe. You know, how do I, you know? <laughs> well, my dad was a cop. Wow. Uh, my dad okay. was undercover vice. So maybe Whoa! there is holy shit. Maybe there is a residue of that uh that can be detected under uh 
ultraviolet light with me. Um, oh but he God. always told me, do not follow in these footsteps, do not be a cop. And I uh, very much took that to heart. So yeah, you wouldn't have to tell me twice. Holy shit. I mean, yeah. I had I had I had teacher parents and I, I think I'd be a pretty decent teacher. My parents were like, like kind of hoping I would be one. But I was just like, I just I can't handle that life, man. I'm sorry. I just, you know, I, I can't. No. Uh, but I'm sure you had that th thought times a hundred. Well, it was interesting because as my sister and I got older, he became a dare officer. You certainly know what dare is, right? Oh, Drug yeah. Education. Yeah, so he was sure. sort of a teacher. Uh, but that was interesting too, because he also was very much of the mind um, that drugs should be legalized. So it was always like an interesting sort of not doctrinaire, not strict perspective on what that all entailed. Um, and so I felt like I had my uh, room to make up my own mind about uh, police work and all of that. That's great. Good for him. Um, okay, this is a very interesting one. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I, hi, I'm trying to be a writer. Kyle, how do you get into the writer's mindset? Well, listen, a lot of the writer's mindset is procrastinating. That is yes. an inherent part of being a writer. Um, anytime I'm blocked, I text somebody about what I'm writing. Like, if I just am like, I don't know, the, I, I have everything, but I don't know the first paragraph or like, what's my way in? Or I just don't want to do this. Then I'll like text a friend that I have a fun kind of texty banter with. And it mm -hmm. just comes out so much more easily. I think that when you have trouble writing, it's because you're too much in your own head. And any way that you can bring yourself out of that, I mean, you can also just do that metaphorically. You can write as though you're sending an email to a friend or like talking to them at a bar. Sometimes I am, I'll be at a bar and someone will be like, what are you working on? And I'm like, oh, next week I have to write about X and Y. And we have a conversation and I just jot down some notes in my two drinks in state. Cause like, that's yeah. the more sort of unedited, uncensored, straight from my brain version. You know, yeah. writers are, and, and creative people are so good at tying their shoelaces together. And you just have to come up with ways that it works for you to not do that. And I find the absolute best way to bring myself out of my head is to talk to somebody else about what I'm writing. Yeah, I mean, I've used this as an analogy a, a thousand times, but I always think about that, how you can pinch a nerve in your hand to get rid of a headache. And it's oh. because your brain stops oh. thinking about the headache and thinks yeah. about that pain and it just goes away. And it's like, you can beat your head against the wall uh, when you have writer's block and go, go away writer's block, or you can just go do something else and then you'll get an idea. Because you, I mean, and beating your head against the wall won't get you anywhere. That's what writer's block is. The more like acute you, you feel it and obsess over it, the less likely you are to resolve it. So you have to come up with, uh, you know, a, a true workaround, like a literal workaround. Yes, that's 100%. That's a really good answer. I love that you... Yeah. you, you no, you listen, I, 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 I could probably do a whole other hour on this. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I've thought about it many a time. I got a column to write by tomorrow morning. So trust me, it's it's front of mind at the moment. Okay, okay. Well, we have we have two more. So okay. Uh, okay, I, I got to hop off in like two minutes. You want to read me one? Two minutes. Okay. Two minutes. Uh, let's let's do one. Okay. Uh, I did a video yesterday just, just to set this one up about how uh, Kyle and I go way back and we've had some wild times. So yes, iconically, I was part of some of them. Yes, yes. 
So, uh, um, hey, Kyle, any stories about you, Matt, and Kanane to share? They want a little uh, tea. They want a little tea. That are shareable. Um, <laughs> you know, it was just like, <laughs> not to encourage people to get like blackout drunk, but like I learned from the best and that man was Kyle Kinane. Like when it was like, when the bars did close and we went to Fred 62 and that wasn't enough. So we got Del Taco and then we went home and like drank even more and like yep. that on the couch. Oh like if you want to hear fucking, I mean, he's obviously a funny person no matter what he's doing, but it was truly like what he would rant about, like that stream of consciousness shit at like 4.30 a.m. right yeah. before he passed out was classic. I wish I'd yes. put all of it. Um, yes. Any, anything else you want to hear, um, again, you're going to have to go through my lawyer. Um, legal, It'll have to arrive on legal letterhead because uh, those are our, our protected memories, unfortunately. <laughs> well said, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I wish I had something like, oh, we all got on a motorcycle together and went off a cliff. Or, but like, there's nothing, you know, it was just like, it was we fun. Didn't, we couldn't even afford to get into scraps like that, you know? No, like so broke. Yeah, like, yeah. Quite literally could not afford. It was all just us aspiring to misadventures. Misadventures. Um, but I mean, but we had a blast. I mean, I think I first met Kyle when at a bowling alley that we were doing like a karaoke and um, uh, a reading at uh, for nice. Austin, this, this website that I used to run. And he's yeah. like, yeah, I, I, uh, I'd love to write for your website. I emailed you an essay. I don't know if you've uh, read it yet. Uh, and I just, you know, like vibed with him that day and went back and read the essay. And of course, it was hilarious. This was back when, again, none of our lives and careers had started. And there was just that thing that immediately bonded us to one another. Um, yeah. So when I look back at Kyle, I mean, like, you know, he was a wild man in training. But honestly, like our best memories were really earnest and on the level, you know? Exactly. Yeah. It's like that Philip Seymour Hoffman quote from Almost Famous about the only true currency is when you're not being cool. Truly and that, like, yeah. We were so not cool. Man. No, we weren't. <laughs> <laughs> but it was great. It was great. Well, uh, anything to plug before we go? I'm assuming the book. The book. Uh, the Yeah, Blood, Sweat, and Chrome, The Wild and True Story of Mad Max Fury Road. You can buy it anywhere fine books are sold, online, what have you. Um, I'm on Twitter at Kyle Buchanan, and I run the Projectionist column of the New York Times, which is out online every Wednesday and in print every Thursday. Awesome. Well, dude, I'll let you go and let you continue promoting. I'm so happy you're able to come on here. Thank Let's get a coffee me. or beers or something. Yes, soon. yes, please. Absolutely. Okay. Awesome. Right. Great to see you, Kyle. Thanks so much, man. Good times. God, it was awesome to talk to Kyle after all this time. My God. Amazing. Honestly, not to throw shade, but you should call in. If you haven't called in, call in. There's something that's bugging you. Please just leave a message. 323-763-0228. Again, no pressure, but you should. 323-763-0228. Thank you. This Might Help with Matt Bronger was created and hosted by me, Matt Bronger. Produced by Outer Circle Media. Executive producers Matt Kleinschmidt and Robert Kelly for the Laugh Button Podcasts.